Welcome to the Berkhamsted Spotlight, Berkhamsted School's podcast channel. Join our weekly guests from inside the classroom to behind the scenes of our day-to-day activities through to life beyond Berkhamsted School. Find out what it's really like to be part of our remarkable community. Remarkable community indeed. In this episode of the Berkhamsted Spotlight, we're talking to Joe Beadle, previous head boy at the school and now studying at Cambridge. Joe, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very good. I'm keen to find out a bit more about your experiences of life at Berkhamsted and uh, how you're getting on right now at Cambridge as well. But before we do any of that, I wonder if you could just give us a little bit of a snapshot as to where you are in life, what you're doing in life and kind of where you're doing it too. Okay, yeah. So I'm in my second year at the moment at the University of Cambridge and I'm studying Chinese studies, um, Mm -hmm. which is something I hadn't studied before um, coming here. Um, I'm absolutely having the time of my life here, really loving it. And I'm very excited to be moving soon to Taiwan for a year, which is very exciting. So moving there in in August and then we'll be coming back to Cambridge for one more year and then graduating. And who knows what will happen after that. But for now, relishing life here and really enjoying it. And I'm dying to ask Chinese studies. What led you to do that at university? That's always the million dollar question. I think there's um, (laughs) a million reasons for that, right? I think there's... I was always fascinated by languages, especially languages with different scripts or an alphabet or without an alphabet. And this was just always totally fascinating to me. And I think I I just sort of went there out of curiosity and um, started to read a couple of books. And as I read more and more, I discovered that I couldn't stop following my nose, basically. And I was really falling in love with it. And I was feeling that, especially as I was reading you know, books of Chinese literature and things like that, that I was really challenged. I was challenged to have my brain agree to all of these different ideas of what literature might be or, mm-hmm. you know, these different ideas of history and totally different narratives to what I'd been confronted with in, you know, a very Eurocentric point of view. So I think all of these things just made me want to keep going and eventually couldn't imagine myself studying anything else and didn't really look back and still haven't. And some of your peers on the same course as you... Do you know what their reasons are for doing Chinese studies? Yeah, I think I think some of them have family in in China or in Hong Kong, Taiwan. For example, my my mum's from Hong Kong. Sort of the language side of that, I'd never tapped into before. So mm. that's also part of a reason. I think some other classmates had just done it for a long time at school. I think some of them had had started with maybe eight or eight or nine years of Chinese under their belts. So they sort of had a long term fascination with it and. I think quite naturally there's some people who are quite business-minded, so mm-hmm. um, they're quite keen to sort of learn these languages and um, give themselves some kind of edge in the business arena. So all kinds of reasons, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right, so let's go back to your time then at Berkhamsted. Mm. How did the school prepare you for life after leaving there? Great question. I think the thing about Berkhamsted is that there is this overwhelming wealth of opportunities available to you, right? So those opportunities could be academic, sporting, musical, theatrical, personal, etc. And all the opportunities are there for you. But I think there's two important elements about that. And the first one is that it's on you to, to seek them out. It's on you to find those opportunities and to, to make the most of them. So I think with regards to that, maybe the, the, the first key thing is initiative. And then with all these opportunities as well, I think 
you're also in an extremely supportive environment, right? So you, mm -hmm. you can take these risks and, and push yourself and challenge yourself to do new things. And if it doesn't go your way, it's, it's not detrimental. It's just, it's just character building and it's just the, you know, the world telling you that you need to be a bit more patient, a bit more persistent, or that maybe there's something better ahead of you. So I think because you're in this sort of really fantastic mix of needing the initiative to find these opportunities, but also when you do take them, it doesn't really matter how you do. It's more important mm. is the fact that you've given it a go. So how it's prepared me for life, I think, is just a very good grounding in remembering that you need to take big swings and really go for it and not worry what others think. I love that phrase, you've got to take big swings. That's a, that's a good approach to life. And you mentioned as well that the staff there were, were supportive. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, staff, staff really were supportive. And something I always sort of found, especially as I went through into the, sort of the older years, was that staff really do have this passion for what they're teaching. Right? And I suppose that's ultimately what leads them to their profession, is that they had some passion in something, studied this, and then are so passionate that they come back to the institutions they were, they were cultivated in and mm. share that knowledge and try and cultivate that knowledge in other people. So that is something I really found to be nurturing is that it was often conversations in the corridor or felicitous conversations that you'd have where you'd really discover that your teacher can tell you all these interesting things that, that whet your appetite and make you conscious that there is so much out there that you don't know. And I think, at least from an academic point of view, that, that really is the supportive nature of the, the Berkhamsted teachers in my experience. So what would you say then if you could go back to Berkhamsted right now and you could talk to the current sixth formers who are preparing for their university applications, they're preparing to leave the school and go off to university, what would you say to them? Oh, that's a good one. So much really. I think you do you know, come to realise a lot after, after you've left. I think, I suppose life is too short to be doing something you don't like. You know, if you come to university and, and come and study hard and a ridiculous number of hours that you have to spend doing what you do. So if you do go to university and there is no obligation to do that, you shouldn't feel that that's the default. But if that is what you mm. decide to do, it's, it should be something that you cannot imagine yourself doing otherwise. So it's what your heart is set on and your brain agrees. So I, th I think to just return to what you said about uni applications in particular is, is that now's not the time to be modest. You know, you really need to sell yourself and show these people why you are so set on studying and, and spending so much of your time on studying this thing. Ultimately, I, I think especially in, 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 in places like here, but I, I'm sure everywhere, is, is that, you know, the people you're writing your applications to are the people who will eventually be spending a lot of time with you and the people who will be teaching you. So you need to sell yourself mm -hmm. as somebody who is really exciting to teach, I think, and somebody who is going to be really receptive to the information that they're feeding. So, yeah, I think that's my advice there. And if you could go back and advise your own self, you know, would you have done anything different when you were at school there? Yeah, of course I would have done. I think, I think as I came here, I very quickly had to learn that perfectionism is awful. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I used to be in this very idealistic state of mind that you know, perfectionism is a good thing. It's a means to an end. It means you can try and get full marks in everything you do. But I think what's a far more productive state of mind to have is that you actually have nothing to lose. I, I try and think of things now in this sort of win-win principle where mm -hmm. you sort of have to get yourself into this state of mind where everything you do every opportunity is a win-win and you know no matter how it goes you will learn something even if that's just about yourself I think that is the 
the state of mind I'd go into, one that's willing to be challenged, willing to get things wrong, willing to take those calculated risks, rather than constantly pursuing perfection, which is just a construct anyway. So, so that is the advice I'd give myself and perhaps how I'd approach things differently. It's hard though, isn't it? You know, being willing to be open to make mistakes because nobody ever likes to make mistakes. How do you find that translates into university life? Yeah, um, you're, you're going to get challenged a lot, I think. And the, the more risks you take, the, you know, the more possible it is that you'll get some criticism. But I think criticism is, or, you know, feedback, to, to put it in a, in a, in a softer tone, is, is a gift, right? Somebody has taken the time to try and guide us somewhere. But at the same time, we, you know, we shouldn't let these, these criticisms get us down. They, you know, we should let them propel us forwards, perhaps to new avenues or, or new ways of thinking and I think something I have stuck on my wall is you know don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't ask for advice from mm. and I think that's important but yeah you're right there is that tricky balance to be found between constantly pursuing these new challenges and, and you know taking these risks but at the same time being open to challenge and being open to criticism when that balance is struck that sweet spot is is really fruitful. Okay so let's stay with university for the moment which year are you in at the moment? I'm in second year at the moment. So what was your first year like and in what way was it different to how you expected it to be? Good question. I mean, let's let's leave the COVID era aside, um, which struck us halfway through. But yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. Um, I think naturally I was, I was pretty nervous before coming. I remember giving a very nervous goodbye to my parents as they, as they dropped me off. But I very quickly dived in and absolutely loved it. I think the, the biggest thrill actually was this starting Chinese from scratch and I think I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into which is sometimes a good thing right but yeah that was a very daunting but totally fascinating challenge and still a challenge even nearly two years on now. So tell me more then about that first year I mean you mentioned about being nervous you mentioned about the Chinese what what else were you nervous about what apprehensions did you have? Gosh I have to think about that one what, what apprehensions did I have? One of my main apprehensions was actually just being able to balance time I think, I mean, it doesn't go away once you're here, but there is very much that sort of veneer around Cambridge, right, that everybody's just working the entire time and that Mm. there's not time for anything else. And I was pretty sucked into that, I think, when I got here and I thought, that's the only thing I'm doing. You know, I I applied here to work and I'm going to work. And I think it became a real imperative once I'd got here to manage my time properly and try and strike that balance between studies and then the other things I was doing in my life. I'm very grateful, uh, very, very fortunate to be an organ scholar at my college, which is um, a very posh name, really. It's, it's, it's just the, the person who plays the organ um, in the college in return for a scholarship. And this forced me to, you know, to, to balance my time and at the same time threw me into a, you know, a group of really great friends. So I think that was a very fortunate turn of events that, that quickly set in once I got here was that I was sort of forced to manage my time properly and forced to take time away from my studies every now and then and mm. to, yeah, to, to, to really spend time with these people. So I think that was the major preoccupation I had. But I think the more willing you are to throw yourself in at the beginning, the easier those become to dispel, right? So mm. you've just kind of got to fake it till you make it. I'd love to come on to the organ playing in a moment, but tell me some of the things that you've really enjoyed then in your first year. Infinite things, really. I, th- I think, you know, there's, there's, there's countless amazing memories that have been made, but I think ultimately it's quite hard to sort of reduce these to moments. You know, when I, when I look back, it all just seems like one big blur. Um, mm. And, you know, especially with the, the COVID era we're living in, it does feel like all these months become 
days and you, know, you think like last week was last year or something. The biggest thrill though that can't be contained to one moment is this really falling in love with what I study and as I say I've, even though I was obviously very interested in it when I applied I don't think I really knew what I was getting myself into <laughs> and you know I was, I was very ignorant of, of basically all things China and I think when I came here I fell into this exploration of just how much I didn't know and this really has been the thrill of, of my time here so far and I'm sure mm. it will continue to be is, is that you know no matter how long the days may be and no matter how many of those days may be stuck indoors doing nothing else I think this just provides endless fascinations so I hope it doesn't sound sad but I think the real thrill of my my university time so far has just been discovering my subjects and I hope that that will continue for all time. Yeah, I don't think that's sad at all. I think it simply means you've chosen the right subject to do. I agree, I agree. Let's talk then about the organ. What was the last piece of music you played? Good question. It was yesterday evening. Yes, it was yesterday evening. Mm -hmm. And I was practising for a very grand service that we've got coming up next week called the Commemoration of Benefactors. Now, I don't know what that means. Uh, lots of long words. But yes, it's, it's sort of this big service where we're doing some really lovely music. And it's... A really momentous occasion as well because we actually haven't sung together as a choir, you know, the, the 20 of us really close friends since about October, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to be really cathartic to all be back. And I was practicing a piece called I Was Glad by Parry, which is a famous piece in the fairly niche choral world. And tell me how you feel when you're playing something like I Was Glad. Very, very nervous. I think because you, you have to do so much practice and so much preparation and, you know, sometimes the rehearsal gets quite wrong mm -hmm. and you never know what your nerves are going to do to you, but eventually you do just have to kind of let go and trust that your limbs know what they're doing, trust a bit in your muscle memory and just enjoy it. And I mm -hmm. think it's when I've just stopped obsessing over all the notes and stopped thinking, OK, where's my right foot got to go? And then, you know, what, what page is coming next? And looking at the conductor and looking at my feet and everything like that. I think when you just kind of let go, you really enjoy it. And it's often a blur afterwards and you have no idea how it went because, you know, you were focusing so hard in the moment. But I think that's the real, that's the real ecstasy of, of, of music making, right? Mm. So, yeah, nervous. But if you have the audacity to sort of let go of your nerves, then that's where the real enjoyment lies, I think. Or even harness your nerves as well in order mm. to channel that into the music in a positive way. Absolutely. Okay, so tell me about some of the skills that you've learnt at university that you could share with a Berkhamsted student. Great question. What are some of the skills I could share? Well, th there is one skill that comes to mind, actually, that was shared to me by a Berkhamsted teacher. So mm -hmm. I'm sort of, through the podcast, sharing it back, I suppose. Okay. And I suppose this is my Berko staff shout-out moment um, to one of my absolutely fabulous teachers at A-level, Mrs Cheryl Soiree-Dean, who was my A-level maths teacher. And I remember, you know, we'd, we'd be moaning, 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 and she'd be telling us to do all the questions. So there'd be hundreds of pages of these questions, and we'd all be moaning and doing them for hours and hours every day. But she'd say, do every single question. And when you finished all the questions, do them all again and keep doing it. And really trained in us this repetition and discipline. Yeah, as, as I started, you know, embarking on learning Chinese and practicing these Chinese characters are the bane of everyone's existence. But the, the success lies in that repetition and that same repetition and discipline that, that Mrs. Cheryl Dwight-Sorodine was teaching us. And I think this, this attitude of sort of do everything is a really applicable one. For example, if you're starting a big research project, you know, you, you never know what's going to be the article or what's going to be the book 
that mm. gives you this you know fantastic idea and it's often in you know the most counterintuitive of places that you're going to find the most interesting things right so mm. i think this kind of attitude of i need to do everything you know I, i can't just sort of skimp around and sort of fake it i need to really try and and do all of it this kind of attitude is immensely helpful so i, I don't think that maybe counts as a skill so much as a philosophy but that's one i learned from burko i think if i sort of took one and applied it into my university life it would be that so it's for that reason that i think i will impart that back through the podcast in case there are any burko students listening that that is what i would recommend it's nice to have a good staff shout out there as well that's absolutely absolutely so if you were now back at burkhamsted and you were talking to one of the pupils who who are currently there what might you say to one of them that they wouldn't know about already something about burkhamsted as a school that's a hard one but well, if if we if we hypothesize that maybe I'm talking to a final year student you okay know, you know i th- i think with the pressures of exams and i'm sure this has only been exacerbated by the pressures of 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 the pandemic but with with exams and things and having you know hopefully spent a very long time studying what you're studying i think it's natural to feel very ready to move on hmm. and that you're going to want to sort of seek pastures new and maybe get out of the routine you're very used to and the mm. subjects you're very used to as well and all the phases that you see all the time so i think it's very natural at the end you know particularly of year 13 that you have this kind of restlessness to leave i would say to that student that that is an extremely positive feeling because i mean on the most immediate level the school's done its job right as in it's cultivated that kind of self independence and maturity in you to to sort of know when your time is to move on mm. but i suppose to to answer your question in the most direct way what what's kind of the secret that they won't know is that they're really going to miss it you know if, if you told that to me when i was giving my head boy speeches on the last day i don't think i would have believed you but actually mm. i think when you when you do move on it's not so much the sense that you're you, you know you're running back because hopefully you would have gone on to university or found a job or you know gone traveling and done something you really love but you know every now and then the little things even just sort of going to the dining room at your university or walking between different lecture blocks will remind you of your time at Berkhamsted and mm. I think you'll miss it so that that would be maybe not so much the secret but maybe the little unexpected nuggets of knowledge that I that I would pass on to them is good knowledge good advice and a good insight and also I think a good place to to end this podcast but Joe thank you very much for being with us today thank you for giving up the time and if anybody wants to follow you on social media then where's the best place they should go so my twitter handle is at joe underscore beadle should it be any staff student friend of the school the senior management team at berkhamsted definitely have my contact details so um should you want to be emailing me or anything like that do feel free to contact me through them i'd be more than happy to receive any kind of messages uh, from anybody that's great excellent well uh, joe thank you again for your time and thank you for being here today my pleasure thank you very much to you too And that was Joe Beadle, previous head boy and now student at Cambridge. Thank you, Joe, for coming on to this episode. It was great to hear from you. Don't forget, you can follow Joe on Twitter. Just search Joe underscore Beadle. That's J-O-E underscore Beadle, B-E-A-D-L-E, and you'll find him there. And also, don't forget that if you're not yet following this podcast channel, then now is the time to do so, because it just means that when the next episode is released, you'll receive a small notification just to let you know that it's out. And that means that you won't miss it. That's for the next episode, but thank you for listening to this episode and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.